Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Void, a show dedicated to filling the void between being an employee and becoming self-employed. Most people refer to starting your own company as taking the leap, as if they are blindly jumping off a cliff and into the unknown. This show is here to help you understand that it doesn't have to be that way. As always, if you like what you're hearing on the show, please do us a favor and help share the void with somebody else who might be wanting to start their own company. We saw an opportunity to help others understand that self-employment is well within your reach, and just as our businesses have grown organically and by word of mouth, we want this show to grow the same way. So if you see somebody asking questions about starting their own service-based business, please do us a favor and send them a link to the show. I'm your host, Mitch Smedley, and with me as always is David Hilton. Mitch. David. I'm so tired. Yeah? My brain is just shutting down. I, I, I do that every year this happens to me. Like when it starts to get hot, yeah, it's like it takes me a little bit to get used to it, and I'm just outside all day, and then I just try to push at night, and I go out and I push it, and then I'm just like, eventually I just shut down. My yeah. brain's like, fuck you. Yeah, I just can't even, just so tired. We, like, uh... Ugh, it's the worst, man. So we got a... So tired. We got a new shop. Not like we didn't change shops, we added. Our shop's only 20 by 60, it's small. Stop. So... Stop. Stop. What? So did you get the contract then all signed yes. and everything? Okay, yeah. so you went ahead and rented the new shop. We're in it, yeah, rented the new shop. So for those that don't haven't listened, like you want to just yeah. So we we signed a big contract for a whole bunch of work coming up for like the next five years, and uh, the work is going to be doing a lot of like concrete and floor break type stuff. And so uh, preparing for all of that, like you need to have gravel in the shop, and you need to have concrete bags in the shop and all that stuff. And it's like we already have that in small scale. But, but you're it, talking pallets. At this, yeah, at this level. And you got to have room to park I, that new trailer that you talked about last week. Yeah. And truck. And yeah. All so, that. so at this level, I didn't want to, I didn't, like, I wanted a separate single shop. So that way, if this is dusty or messy, it can just all be contained over there. Well, let's be honest. The other shop probably isn't big enough. Like, no, do, it's probably not. It's like on the edge of, you yeah. need some extra space. Yep. And so okay. I've been, so good. I've been working all week, like, getting the new shop ready. Um, building like corrals for where we dump the gravel and where we put the concrete and stuff like that. And so I got the haul with that trailer. I got the haul gravel and concrete with that trailer this week. Oh. In my in my lightning. And how's the lightning? Hold up. Man, that thing can pull like crazy. Well, it's because it has a super low weight. Like and I mean low by is in the center of gravity center, yeah. is extremely low to the ground. So when you have a suit a big load on the back. Yeah. Like, it doesn't want to sway or walk. Right. Like, if you have a lifted truck, that thing well, wants to walk all over the place. And it helps out that the truck weighs 7,000 pounds. The truck itself weighs yeah. 7,000 pounds. So Yeah, it keeps your load it, stable. It handles, yeah, it's real stable and everything else. Like, I'm impressed. Yeah, too bad EVs so, are for losers. Well, and, and too bad you can only go like 110 <laughs> miles on a charge with it if you're towing something crazy heavy. That's true. So, are you going to take, so who's taking, is it going to be a gas vehicle? Or no, are you taking your EV transit to tow with? No, so I, I we're not, the trailer stays in the shop. No, I know that, but what truck's going to pull it? No, my Lightning pulls the dump trailer. So you're going to let the guys use your Lightning every day? No, it stays in the shop. The trailer stays in the shop. I thought they were going to take the trailer every day to haul off the scrap. No, so they're they're bringing gravel to the job in five-gallon buckets because you got to take it all down into the customer's basement. Oh, so they're going to pre-do it, load it onto the truck, take it there. If they got to take it downstairs, use five-gallon buckets to get it down there, and then five-gallon buckets of debris out. And then when they get to the shop, they're going to dump it in the dump trailer. Yeah, they just stack all the buckets along the floor of the truck, and then 
when what? they get to the shop, they just dump them all on the dump trailer. Oh, okay. So. I feel really bad for those sons of bitches. It's, I mean, it's, it's not. It's for stupid guys with big giant arms. Yeah. Well, I don't know about stupid, but yeah, it's. <laughs> well, they can't be smart enough to know that the job sucks. The, the work's pretty well already thought out. It's just it just needs to get done, right? So, hence what I just said: <laughs> stupid guys with big giant arms. Yeah, like if they're too smart, they'll be like, "This sucks," and they're not doing it. Yeah, they got to be right on the edge. Well, it's it, we're going to use it as a position for the guys to like get in with a plumbing company and maybe work into. A little bit of becoming service. a plumber eventually. Gotcha. But you got to cut your teeth here. So, um, <laughs> feel bad for those guys. I mean, <laughs> I I've personally done this work every day, day in and day out for like two years straight. So sucked, didn't it? Yeah, it's not easy. Uh, and that was fourteen years ago. So I ain't lying. So I'm a I'm a different man now than I was back. I was in my twenties back then, my late twenties, but still. Man, I miss those days. Yeah. Go go out, work in the sun all day, wear a tool belt. Go home, drink beer, go out or go frame my basement and yeah. be up till eleven and then get up at five and do it again do and it not again. even care. Yep. Now if I do that I gotta sleep for three days. Well now if you step the up a ladder wrong, you throw your back out. Yeah. Oh shit, my hammy. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. So yeah, that Being lightning I, I will say it's it's pretty badass. Like the amount of acceleration it has. So I had that trailer loaded. The trailer itself weighs 2,500 pounds. And I put a pallet of quickcrete on it. Now i got to do the math. I know what a pallet is. You don't have to tell me. Well, 80-pound bags, 42 bags on a pallet. So there's, there's 3,600 pounds on a pallet of, of concrete. Are so those 80-pound bags or 60s? 80s. I don't think an 80 will fit in a five-gallon bucket. No, they take the bags. You mix that in the yard and put that into five gallon buckets, and then take five gallon mixed five gallon buckets down the stairs. Well, the I always basement. just put the whole sixty pound bag in a five gallon bucket, mixed it in there, and it was like a full bucket. Oh, so you well, you're ha- crazy! You didn't have to mix it in something else and then shovel it into something else to then carry it downstairs. The typical load capacity for a five gallon bucket is about forty pounds. So an well, eighty pound bag, nah, 60 does pounders. two buckets. 60 pounders. <laughs> if you brew your own beer or whiskey, the, all, the other guys know if you go to the brew shop, you can get six-gallon buckets. There you go. I got them. I love them. Yep. They're awesome. Um, so, yeah, you know that I'm pulling around that trailer, and it's it weighs 6,000 pounds, right, which isn't a crazy heavy load. But I bet that son of a bitch still goes zero to 60 in five seconds pulling 6,000 pounds. And the truck weighs 7,000 pounds. YouTube channel challenge for tomorrow we might have to do that <laughs> like that thing's yeah. fast give austin something to do i know he ain't doing nothing <laughs> oh yeah not nothing he's at all. bored yeah he needs a new challenge the Shoot. water heater worked out so well maybe you guys should try something lower yeah yeah let's... something easier Hey, if you like what you're hearing on The Void and you want even more info, we just started a mentorship program specifically for trades professionals to start their business or to get their business to an incredibly healthy position. So if you'd like more info, click on the link in the description of this show. We're, we're, going, that, we're going that route already. So we just uh, dropped three videos today, actually. Well, what would he do for you? Yeah. I'll probably watch them. All right, what are the... <laughs> What are the topics for today? I have no idea. You don't know. You tell me. I, we, we go all through, through all this pre-show stuff, and you I'm don't just write kidding. anything down. Be careful how you treat people. Be careful how you treat people. 
Stop assuming the worst. And then stop assuming the worst. All and right. We got a story from the field. And today we got too. a story from the field in between those two, right? Yeah. All right. What do you want to start with? So yeah. we're going to start with how, how we treat people. Like um, shit. I'm going to tell you a story here, real quick. So there's a guy, he's actually a recovering alcoholic, and he decides he wants to start going to church. Don't so, talk about me on this show. Uh, well, it is what it is. Okay. <laughs> so he goes to church, and uh, halfway through the sermon, he. His phone starts ringing, and he realized he forgot to set his phone to vibrate or silent. And the person next to him starts looking at him and giving him this mean, crazy glare. The stink eye. And he's fumbling for his phone, and he's the person on the other side of him starts glaring at him and starts shushing him. And he's he's... You know, it's one of those things where he can't quite get his phone out of his pocket. It's just kind of stuck in there, and the harder you try, the harder it is to get out. Next thing he knows, the pastor is kind of like stopping the sermon until this guy gets his phone silenced, right? And so as he's walking out, everyone's glaring at him. And is this a true story? Like or he's, story? he's done this atrocious thing, right? And so now he's so embarrassed, he never goes to that church again. But that night, he goes into the bar. And he goes into the bar, and he has a drink. And he's going for drink number two, and the condensation was a little heavy on the glass, and it slipped out of his hand, and it fell on the ground and broke. And the person next to him reaches over and asks if he's okay and makes sure that it didn't, like, break and hurt his foot or he didn't cut himself on the glass. The bartender comes over and tells him not to worry about anything, and she'll get him another drink. It's no big deal. The busboy comes over and starts cleaning everything up and says, don't worry about this, I got this, this is my job, you you just do you, right? He set foot in that bar every day for the rest of his life from there on. And the moral of the story is, be careful how you treat people, because you might just have a lasting effect on them, right? Yeah. So, it's like you got all these, you got all the, and I'm not knocking church, but you got all these people at church that think they're there for the greater good, but every once in a while something sneaks up on them, where they're giving somebody some side eye and they're they're accosting somebody for how they're behaving, whether it's in their control or not, right? We all make mistakes or whatever. But then the flip side of that, you go to this bar, this guy drops and breaks a glass and spills drink everywhere and everyone's like coming to his welcome. Yeah, it's just know? like the thing, it's just like the lady in the line that's got two kids and one's screaming bloody murder and everyone's just looking at her. Oh, this horrible! Just shut those kids up. You know they're at the, at Walmart giving her the stink eye the whole time. Like, why? Yeah. You know what I mean? There's kids. There, kids are part of society. Yeah. Get over it. Yeah. She's doing the best she can. They're kids. We've all Stop. been there. Yeah, everyone's been there. Like, and you may make her feel awful for three weeks because you didn't just say, ah, don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, as the person behind her. Shit, I blocked off an aisle at Target one time because my kids were acting up and they needed some course correction. Oh, shit. I cleared out a bottom of a shelf, and we did an improvised timeout right there in the middle of Target. <laughs> and this mom this mom walks by, and it, of course, I'd already spanked them, right? But yeah. now they're in their little timeout there. And this mom walks by, and she was like, I know exactly what's going on here. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, for a moment, you think she's getting ready to like yell yeah. at you or something. And yeah. she's like, I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. This too shall pass. Dude, I saw a lady at Walmart one time whip her kid's ass. And then another lady was like, do you really think you should be beating those kids? And she was like, you want to take them? Yeah. Let's take them. Fucking take these you kids. You want to be next? Yeah. I, <laughs> I've never seen someone. I mean, I've heard people say that, but I've never seen someone be like, bitch, you want to be hit next? 
That'd be funny. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but people just people don't like you were saying. People do not realize the lasting impression you can leave on someone with literally a look, a stare, five words, right? You know, a sarcastic comment, right? And I mean, you hear it all the time about like as an employee. You know, if you have a group of three or four guys and one of them's just a pain in the ass and you've been looking to get rid of them forever, because what's that guy do? He's just always eh, a little snide comment here, a little, you know, asshole there and blah, blah, blah. He's mean to this guy. Well, he gets fired. One of the other guys that stays there goes somewhere else. And then this that guy becomes a manager that left second, and the guy that got fired first for all the snide comments is trying to get a job from that guy later. Right. You know what I mean? Because you just it's you hear it all the time. Stupid and cliche. It's a small world. It is a small world. It's very small. And you see people that you grew up with twenty years down the road, and they remember crazy Everything. shit about you that you had forgot. Yep. And they're like, oh, do you remember that time you did that? Do you remember? I mean, obviously you can't go in the past and change what you've done, but like as you get older, you've got to realize, oh shit, I've yeah. got to like think about what I say to people. Think about how I act towards people because yeah. it could come back to bite me in the ass later. Well, and one of the biggest developments you can have as a manager, and you're always working on this. I don't want to I don't want to say this like <laughs> I've got this figured out because you don't. I'm a lot better than I used to be, but I still have a long way to go. It's the same thing as you're always constantly growing and all constantly learning. Yeah. Always constantly learning, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're just no one's perfect and no one will ever be perfect, but that doesn't mean you can't try to get there. Yeah. Uh, as a manager of people, your ability to choose the right words and to uh, think uh, think fast but talk slow is is very important, right? Um, operating from a, uh, a factual standpoint rather than a feelings standpoint or an emotional standpoint is is huge. So there's there's a lot of people, and, and usually it's the guys who say, well, you just can't find good help these days. Usually it's those guys that are like, always struggling to have productive, constructive conflict conversations with their people. Like, you're around anybody long enough, there will be conflict, guaranteed, 100%. And if there's not, you're just not trying hard enough, right? And so being able to talk through that conflict in a productive way is huge. Yeah, and, you know, you were saying just a second ago about, you know, think fast. For those that, look, that's kind of like, a skill some people are just born with. You know, they can just act quickly on their feet, know what to say. For those that can't, if you're in a management position, never say anything immediately. Like, all, if you can't think quickly on your feet and you need time to gather your thoughts, always go back to your office or your truck or whatever and think about what has happened. Get your thoughts together. Write them down if you have to, mm-hmm. and then pull them aside and have the right words to say when you're going to sit sit that person down and speak with them. It's, you know what I mean? Because that is if, extremely important if you aren't fast on your feet. Because some people, you just can't learn to be quick on your feet. Right. Like your mind just, some people just aren't that way. Just learn to not say anything, basically is what I'm saying. Don't say anything. Then take time when you have time to think about it, dictate what you want to say, then have that meeting with that employee or or other manager or person or boss or whatever. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's perfectly acceptable 
when somebody comes at you with, especially when somebody comes at you with something you're not, you weren't prepared for. Yeah. It's perfectly acceptable for you to say, you know, that's a good point. Do you mind if I think about that here for a little while and I get back to you? If it's a question. If it's a question or if it's a problem they're bringing up or anything, right? They could be bringing up a problem. Yeah. And that's fine. You don't have to solve it immediately. Yeah. That problem's been there for a minute. That's why they're bringing it up. So it's perfectly okay to say, you know, if let's say they're they're coming and saying, so and so's treating me like crap, and they're always doing this crap, and you know, I'm just not going to work here anymore if they keep treating me this way. You know, it, hey, I get it, I feel you. Um, can let, you can let you me give see me what I can do about that? Yeah, can you give me some time to learn a little bit more about it, and I'll get back to you. Yeah, right. It's okay um, saying, man, let me gather my thoughts and just kind of. You know, see what I think, and if I need anything else from you, I'll yeah. ask you, and then I will handle the situation. Yeah. You know, I was thinking of more of like a like conflicts that pop up real quick. Yep. But yeah, that's a good example too of well, and even people come at you with stuff like that. Even the ones that pop up real quick, it's amazing what three seconds can buy you. You can think about a lot of shit in three seconds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So five minutes is an eternity. Yeah. If somebody's coming at you and they're hot. Maybe they're not even hot at you, but they're just angry, right? Um, for one, don't ever tell them to like chill out because no shit, right? And that's yeah, never my, worked. My go <laughs> especially to, if you're married. My go-to reaction was get bent. Yeah, fuck off, fuck off, right? That didn't that didn't help. That me. didn't work for all of you listening that know me. That, that big, didn't help me. Big surprise. Yeah, that did not help me. So it took me a long time to learn that lesson. It's perfectly okay for like letting them vent and you're thinking about a good response, right? And, and a tactful one. Um, <clears throat> and and your response is coming from a place of production and getting to the end goal. Not retaliation, not not listening to respond, but listening to understand, and then responding correctly, right? Yes. Um, there's a lot of people who enjoy conflict. They enjoy fighting and all of this stuff, and so they they listen just to retaliate and get another dig in, and there is no progression happening with that whatsoever. Nope. <laughs> and so if you can listen intently but listen with the ability to understand where they're coming from and understand the other side at the same time then that can help you with the response right a hundred percent i mean it just like this that was a real hard lesson for me to learn yeah. i mean i would just i mean i you would, were a hothead i would and i i was fast too like i was quick like immediately, you, I was up their ass. I've always been envious of the guys with the crazy quick comebacks. Yeah, that's me. For one, they're creative. Yeah. For two, <laughs> the ability to think that fast. Yeah. I've just been envious of the, the guys. The problem that, is, is it's like, and as someone that's like that, you know that, like you know that you're quick and you know that you're digging on people and you know that you're pissing them off. Like, you know, you do that intentionally, right? Right. And that just fuels the fire. Right. And then when you get to be thirty. Or 32, 35, you're like, that has gained me nothing. Nothing. Right. Like, I felt good. Like, you know, I was in some good fights because of it. Right. But it, it literally gained you nothing. And when we talk about on the show and in the lessons on trade wins about being able to grow up and like swallow your pride and be like, you just can't be that way and be successful, it doesn't work. Right. I am a prime example of it doesn't work. That stuff. 
it may have got me to the head of a construction crew. Whoopity do. Right. You know what I mean? Whoopity do. Like in the grand scheme of you want to be great and be really successful, it does you no good. Right. Like you need to be able to, and I still haven't figured this out. How do I take that same kind of wit and drive and anger that like drives that wit and then refocus that later? Like that's something that I con- like you saying we're saying earlier you're constantly working on mm-hmm. uh, on that. This is an example of what I am constantly working on. Like how do I how do I focus that energy well you know, so the, into in, into something positive that helps me personally. The guys that are like that and like you and your younger self, the different you were quick witted, but you had a different goal in mind. Your goal was to extend the argument. Your goal was to yeah. get them, right? Your goal was to get back or whatever. It was to piss them off. Piss them off, right. Yeah, it was to piss them off until they looked so stupid. We either were fist fighting or like there was applause. Right. For the record, there was never applause. <laughs> like, it's just, it was always a fist fight. <laughs> that's not, well, not always true, but um, so the, it was dumb. The, I mean, it was just dumb. The difference is the goal. You were quick-witted. But your goal was to piss them off. So if your goal is to identify the problem and put a resolution in place, you can still use your quick-witted nature and your humor and your ability to think really fast. You can still use that to your advantage. It's just you got to change the end goal. So Yeah, and I get that. I, what I was really meaning was how do I, how do I use that in a monet to like, make more money? <laughs> Well, it's kind of hard to if you if you, know you have I mean? a team of people that are helping the business make money, it's kind of hard to make money if that team gets smaller. Right? Yeah. So So the goal would be do not be a douche so that people stick around. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, right? It's right. like a light bulb just went off over your head. Right. So, yeah, the goal would be to end this in a way where the team stays together and yeah. and everybody is now happy, right? Right. Uh, and can joke around about it later. So, but but ultimately, like, this this happens on so many different levels. Um, it happens to complete strangers, like you were mentioning. It happens to complete strangers in supermarkets or at the store or whatever. Um, it happens while you're at the supply house. Let's say you own a company, and one day, maybe you don't have employees yet, but one day you do want to have employees. Well, every interaction you have with people at the supply house is, like chalked up in the memory banks of them to where you may ruin your ability to hire many people down the road simply because you treated somebody at the supply house like absolute horseshit. Well, yeah, it, it goes towards your reputation. Like you're yeah. building, you're building your rep. People don't realize this. And I didn't realize it when I was younger, you're building your reputation all the time. Yeah. Like you are constantly building your reputation. You know, I, I've got a buddy of mine that, um, he got a new building and he called me up wanting me to give him a price for a whole bunch of plumbing in his new building. And he had just got keys to this building like the night before. And so we, we meet over there the next morning and we go to flip on the lights and none of the lights work. And I'm just like, oh, they don't have your power turned over into your name yet. So let me go grab a flashlight. And he's, he loses it. And he's like, stay right here. And he gets out his phone and he starts calling somebody. And I'm, I can only assume it's the power company. And he starts motherfucking them this one way down the other. F you, fuck you. I don't do business this way. If you're going to do business this way, then we're done. 
and all the power company. And I'm like, dude, that was like a $14 an hour customer service rep at the power company. Like, yeah, they're probably in India. Who knows? Yeah. But even then, like, what did getting mad get you? Is it? It's probably yeah. not going to get them any here here anytime sooner. It's probably actually no. going to take them longer. No, like back and in now, the day when it was paper, like his work order just got like shifted to the bottom, the bottom like of the stack, the very, right? And then when it comes up again, they're like, ah, eh, yep, back to the bottom. We'll see when we get there. Yeah. Now all they did was just put your address wrong, so that your work order never even happens. Yeah. Like who? Um, <laughs> like, but ultimately. In his business, let's just say in his business, he needs to hire customer service reps in the future. And he goes and puts an ad on monster.com or whatever. And that person happens to hate their job and they're looking. Do you think they're ever going to want to come work for him? No. No, right? That's good. (laughs) But, but, I mean, that was just a small glimpse. I was only around him for about 10 or 12 minutes that day. But that's my glimpse, right? That's the last time I was around that person. And that's the lasting memory I have with them was yeah. how they treated the customer service rep who had no ties at all to his issue. Yeah, and it, and literally, it, he just signed his lease the day before. Like the 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 thought that you're going to get power turned on in a building and into your name within six hours of signing yeah, a lease is pretty crazy. You're obviously your brain doesn't work full right. capacity. Right. You know? But l- let's just say say you had never met that guy. Say you didn't know who that was, and they called for a service call or an estimate and you went out there and then that happened right if if that was the if that guy literally donated two million dollars a year to children's hospitals and was the greatest guy ever but that was the only interaction you ever had with them the only thing you know is that guy's a douche right like that's literally the only thing you know right and that's how you're you view that person that's what his reputation is to you right even though that's not the heart of maybe that individual right Right. So, I mean, look, this sounds like really easy. Like, it's hard to check yourself all the time, especially when you're young. Like, when you're 25 to 35, it's hard to constantly be checking yourself at the door. Yep. Like, and, and realizing that it's something you, that's a learned attribute and not just, I shouldn't say it's learned. Lots of people are just that way. Right. But for those of us that aren't, it's learned and it's hard to, to get to. Like, well, and, and there's a fine line between having compassion with people, but also refusing to be taken advantage of, right? Yeah, and maybe it's not Maybe it's not that fine of a line. But I think a lot of people let their pride get in the way and let their fear of being taken advantage of get in the way of them being able to have a compassionate and tactful conversation. I think, I, I think you're 100% right with the pride part of that. Yeah. Like, people just are, no, I am not going to be walked on, and then, like, that guy's... For, as example, the pride for people is really hard for them to set aside. Yeah. I think that's a good analogy. Yeah. And, um, and, and some people are so addicted to that kind of conversation, and they'll, like, hang on to it forever. And then they'll tell three, like, one argument with somebody or one a, a chance to, like, own somebody or destroy somebody. <laughs> one chance turns into, like, seven yeah. Seven stories, right? Because they're going to tell six other people about it. Yeah. This motherfucker did this, so I did this, and I owned his ass, yeah. you know? And meanwhile, now you just look like a royal bitch to, you know, six or seven people. Yeah. So it, yeah. ultimately, especially in business, when you're trying to look good for your employees and you're trying to look good for your customers, there's nothing wrong with being the guy that everybody likes. And that doesn't mean you're wishy-washy that doesn't mean anything it doesn't mean you don't take a stance on certain issues or anything else 
It means that you have the ability to think through scenarios and treat everybody with some level of respect and compassion. Yeah. So if, if you can do that, you're going to see a lot more success in your life. So, and, and if you're one of those guys that's listening to this show and saying, well, you just can't find good people these days. And that's like your default answer for why you're maybe, maybe you're listening to this show and your company's eight or 10 years old and you're, you know, you, you claim that you want to grow, but you've got one employee. Yeah. And you, or, or you've been through 15. Right. Right. You know, maybe like, it's you, bro. This, yeah, this message is for you. Or ma'am. And, maybe it's you. And if that pisses you off, well, then I'm sorry. You probably don't have the capacity to learn, and you should probably tune us off. No, but, leave the show on, because <laughs> maybe your brain will start working one of these Maybe. Days. But the, you know, there there are so, like, there's there's a reason some companies grow and some companies don't. And that reason's always leadership. And and it's it's when it comes to leadership, it's usually how that leadership talks to its employees and to its vendors. So yeah, and all that stuff trickles down, right? Like leadership leads to good structure, right? You know, structure leads to good benefits, right? Good benefits lead to keeping employees, but it all starts at the top. You know, everyone gets tired of hearing the pyramid. The pyramid's real. Leadership is at the top, and that dictates all. Well, it, it literally dictates everything. I like to look at that pyramid upside down. Of course you do. Like <laughs> then it's a flower blooming from the bottom. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I no. Get it. Blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> but in, instead of the managers working for the owner and the employees working for the managers, I like to look at it like the owner is working for the managers, and the yeah. managers are working for the employees. So it's the same pyramid. Yeah. But flip it around the other way. Yeah. Right. But st- but everything still goes from one to the other. Yeah, it still flows. Yeah, um, it still flows from one to the other. But it's it's the manager's job to take care of the employees, and part of taking care of those employees is to take care of how you speak to them. Right. Uh, part of the owner's job is to take care of the managers and to take care of how you speak to them and how you treat them. So, um, that's good. Yeah. Well, that's case, really good. That's case a good little bow. Oh, sorry. Case in point for me was we were on that job and I was videoing you and Spencer and you're telling me about this customer, how he's really picky and how he set up post-it notes for the construction workers and this and that. And then during the shoot, he's like peering over my camera and like telling me like what settings to use. This is a customer. And then (laughs) he asked like if I do side work and I remember Mitch being like, hey, like, you know, double what you charge. And so just like, (laughs) I didn't even have any quote-unquote super direct experience but i'm like is this a guy i want to get into editing a job with who's like ultra picky and ultra perfectionist i got two missed calls and i'm like (laughs) it's probably that guy but i i don't want to work for a guy like that right (laughs) right it it all comes down to how you treat people right yeah right so uh, time for a story from the field brought to you by field pulse brought to you by field pulse field pulse stories from the field let me go find it here all right so this is actually story from the field number two from Adam. It's not his story, but he sent it in. He, he sent it in. Um, Mr. Bestian. Yep. So he says, <laughs> we travel a lot for work, and Airbnb offers a good alternative to hotels up until it doesn't. One of my guys got the old bait and switch. He booked a private suite with air quotes around it. <laughs> in Miami for three nights, and he had a very late flight to get there. 
He got to the house around 2 a.m. and was greeted at the door by the host who brought him inside to the living room with six other people sleeping in it. (laughs) The host led him down a hall and brought him to a child's bedroom. The host woke the child up and sent him down the hall and told my guy that this was his room for the night. He would give him further details in the morning. Now, keep in mind, my guy is six foot, two inches tall and weighs 230 pounds, and this bed was a toddler bed. It did have a nice set of Dora the Explorer sheets on it. My guy slept there for four hours and then finally got the courage to get up and leave, canceling the rest of the stay and leaving a one-star review. When we asked him why he even stayed at all, he said it was because he didn't know how to back out of a situation like that and he didn't want to seem rude. (laughs) Well, now we call him Baby Bed. And anytime we have to book him rooms, we personally try to book places that have child's beds just so he feels at home. Baby bed. Yeah. Baby bed. That's going to be a fun one to edit. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> Baby bed. Dave's laughing over the whole but thing. It's freaking hilarious. That is. I mean, dude, a toddler bed. Dude, I tell you, Airbnbs are fucking shifty these days. Dude, my sister, she will only... When, like so they've moved to North Carolina now, but they lived in Colorado, so they'd come here or they'd travel. They traveled a lot and they only used Airbnbs and they're like, We love it. And then I hear stuff like that and I'm like, I'd rather overpay for a nice, like, luxury condo on the beach. Yeah. And just to know that I don't have to like I'm on I'm going on vacation. Like if I get there and there's a family staying there also and we're sleeping in a kid's room. Like, now my vacation has gone to hell, right? and I'm ready to murder people. Right. Like, on the beach. Like, I've, I'm not having it. I've got I'm a customer that does Airbnbs, only he does them, like, hostel style. So he has, like, a he gets he buys, like, old, run-down, five-bedroom houses. Put 74 in, bunk beds in it? Yes. Yeah. So, That's what a hostel is. Yeah. For those of you that haven't been to Europe, it's just a room with, like, three bunk beds in it and one bathroom and you stay with strangers and hope to God they don't rape or kill you in the night. Yeah, and everybody shares the bathroom. Yeah. And everybody shares the kitchen. Yeah. And everybody shares the laundry. Yeah. It's like... It's crazy. Yeah. It's freaking crazy. It's like going into an elevator, only that's like the whole day. It's like sleeping in an elevator with strangers. I don't... I don't trust people as it is. Yeah. Like, I... I, I couldn't even sleep. Like, the whole time, my eyes would be open, my arms would be around my backpack, and I'd just be looking at them, holding my gun. Yeah. Like, I'm just waiting to kill these people because it's, something's going to happen. It's crazy. I couldn't... How, how do people get rest? What's funny is every time we go there for service, you know, you can imagine that many people in a house, they need a lot of plumbing service, right? Oh, yeah. It's just probably broke all the time. It, well, and they're remodeled, like, cheaply because... Of course. It's Airbnb, right? So they're going to put the cheapest faucets in there Hostile and all that shit. style. So you know that re- we go there a lot, <laughs> and when we go there, there's always multiple people staying there. And nobody knows anybody, and I'm just like, this is freaking weird, and you're weird for enjoying this. You know what's really... I can't believe hostels are still a thing after that movie. I know. Especially in America. You cut my toe off with a pair of bolt cutters, Dude, I'm, I'm never staying at a hostel I'm again. Telling, so my cousin, my step... <laughs> my cousin, my stepbrother Tyler that lives in France. So like when he was going to college there, he would go there, and they would travel Europe. Like, okay, so th- this week, for these two weeks, we're going to travel Europe and see the sights. And hostels are like that's what they do over there. They just and they, so they go to this hostel this night and they'll stay like one or two. And then they'll go to this hostel and they'll stay one or two and they'll go to this hostel, you know, one or two. And I'm like, dude, didn't you see the movie, dude? And he's like, yeah, it's awesome. And I'm like, you just keep going. He's like, yeah, they're great. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm out. I'm not. I'm out. 
literally just this morning. In America, it'd be even worse. I was catching up with a guy that I haven't talked to for a, a year or two, and he just got back from a trip to Europe. And I, literally just this morning, I was like, you know, with as prevalent as I am on social media and like with The Void, you know, being broadcast all over the, the world and everything else, like, I hope that one day one of our listeners from Europe is like, come on over, I'll show you everything. Because that way you get like the best treatment in Dude, Europe. Like the behind the scenes shit, you know? We can go over with my not, stepbrother anytime. Not the touristy level, but yeah, like the... The real stuff. Like here's the cool bar to go to. Don't go to this one because that's where all the tourists go. Yeah. Like, here's the real one. Yeah. Do you remember Rusty? Yeah. So he was from the Czech Republic. Okay. He tried to get us to go there... Like every year, he's like, "Dude, let's go to let's go to the Czech Republic." He's like, "You don't understand. I can't do his accent. He, it was really great, and this is gonna be like a little dirty for uh, I don't know." But he's <laughs> like, "Dude, he's and this is what I was single at the time." But he was like, "Dude, you go to the Czech Republic." He's like, "All the girls want to come to America," and like he would show me pic. I mean, these girls are like tens, like all of them. And he's like, "These girls want to go to America." You know, are they, they are they tens just because they're from another country? No, they're you know tens. like like when you're growing up in school. Oh, and you think all girls the from rival are hot? the rival high school had all the hot girls? <laughs> yeah, at least some had all no, hot. Chicks. No matter what high school it was, they no. were hot because they weren't at your school. No, dude, like like you know how ripped Rusty was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like people from the Czech Republic, they're just on a different level. Like all the girls are hot. All the he's like, dude, they will do anything <laughs> if you're from America. <laughs> like that was his voice. Look, all right. If, if Czech we, Republic's on the list. If we, oh, I haven't talked to Rusty in like 12 years. If, if we go to the Czech, he's like, dude, no, seriously, if we go, like you get whatever you want. Like every, Just for a chance. Like every night from a different girl the whole time we're there. Like that's that was his sales pitch. I wish I would have gone. Is that a hall pass? Are you, are you overseas? I wasn't married. Well, oh, I you're am now. now. Oh, yeah. You're thinking about going now. Well, yeah. I'm not. You know what? This conversation is <laughs> taking a left turn. I was just trying to give you a good thing from my past. But if you we if we ever did seriously, so my so Tyler speaks uh, German and French. So and they travel all over. So if you ever wanted to go, might need a translator. If you told him, like if I called him up and I said, "Dude, okay, we're gonna do this trip for two weeks. We want to travel to all these destinations. I'll pay your way, but you're my personal translator." He'd be like, "Okay, Done. when are you coming?" Right, dude. If that I would be cool. If I ever do Europe, it's three weeks, and here's why. It takes you like three days to get there. First off, it's a transatlantic flight now, one way. It takes like 12 hours. You're there. I, I get it, but like... You start in Spain or Portugal, and then you roll around. By the time you get there, and actually like get there, yeah. it's like three days. Yeah. I, I, I'm not... I agree with you. Like, if you're going to go, you need to go for a long time. Yeah. Like, I always wanted to go to Italy and do those... You know, they have those Viking cruises. They're luxury cruises. So yep. the ship only holds like... 150 people max mm -hmm. and you have a private condo in it and all i'd love to do that yeah like to just go from sicily to greece I'll all never, around italy that would be great i'll never get danielle on another cruise ship ever again well, it's because you took her on a shit cruise no we went on a good cruise but bad weather came in and the cruise was designed to stop at uh, a port every day it, the boat the boat was not of the size where it was like ready for oh, like, like days at sea gotcha right and so the weather got horrible, and we had to miss, like, a stop or two. Oh, shit. And so we spent, like, two or three days at sea on a boat that's not really spent 
meant for that. Did they have a casino at least? Well, they had a casino. They had all that yeah. shit. But, I mean, it was rocking like crazy. Yeah, those big boats Ooh, don't rock. Oh, man. Seasick as shit. Yeah. Ugh, so the and, and the classic cruise thing, right? Everybody on a cruise is newlywed, overfed, or nearly dead. <laughs> that, that, was, that was like a classic example of what we saw. I will never <laughs> go on a cruise unless it's a Viking luxury cruise. That would be the only way I'd do it. Yeah. The only way. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. I would I, like to I go definitely to wouldn't go on a Disney cruise because I don't want to be around other people's kids. Preach. <laughs> I barely want to be around my own. All right, She's last topic. To me out. <laughs> She's only 10. Did she do what I told her to do last night? Come on, dude. <laughs> she went straight up to the house and ratted you out to yeah. my wife. <laughs> Mom, Mitch told me to get a screwdriver and write my name on the red car. That's exactly what she said. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. What else you got? What, last topic. What's our last topic? Stop assuming the worst. So we as people, as humans, have this ability to analyze a situation and then assume the worst. We, we look at a situation and we identify everything that can go wrong with that situation. And then we assume that that's what's going to happen. And then we start making decisions around the fact that that's what's going to happen. And it fucks us every single time. Every single time, the worst never happens. That's First off, that's not true. Sometimes the worst does happen, but it's a very, 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 very small percentage of the time. Yeah. I'm going to... I will say that I am a pessimistic person in general. Uh... Austin, you got that recorded, right? Austin's Dave's not admitting even, it. Like no, step even, number one is admitting you have a problem. Austin's not even listening to the fucking show right now. <laughs> but like, I have to think about. I have to think about. Um, like, I have to check myself all the time. Like, okay, try to be positive about this. Right. And and listen, a lot of the times when I am, like, when I think something's gonna go bad. Like, I always assume the worst, but it's usually I, I have a good gut reaction of what is going to happen. And something does go wrong, but it's not nearly as bad as I think it's going to be. Right. Like, that's where I'm usually at. I will say that optimistic people, this is how Mitch is, and it drives me insane. I want to beat his ass half the time. He just always assumes that everything is not just going to go right, but it's going to go perfect. Yep. That also never happens. It doesn't. No, but if you think that way all the time, more times than not, you're going to overcome whatever hurdle that is. Yes. People in general, all of the very successful people that I know that make some serious jack, and Mitch is, I'm not even talking about Mitch, they are super optimistic. Yep. Like they are just always, all the time, everything I touch, everything I do is going to turn to gold. I just know it's going to happen. And eight times out of ten, it does happen. Yeah. And the other two times, it doesn't. But they don't give a shit because the eight times, it did. Yep. Like, and it it literally... Man, this is like a Dave self-help fucking episode. Like, it drives me insane. Like, because the whole time I'm thinking, okay, well, if it goes great, this will happen. If it goes bad, this will happen. This and that. And, you know, like, I just don't have that blind, unwielding, everything's going to be great all the time mindset. Right. Like, I have to think about it and say, okay, wait, stop. It's probably going to be, like, worst case scenario, it's going to be a middle-of-the-road situation. Yeah. And it'll still be fine. Yeah. 
like I have to tell myself that, and then, like I was saying, seven or eight times out of ten, it goes well. Well, you know what I mean. So, am I making sense or am I rambling no, no. like a complete dipshit? You're fine. the The logic for me, I had to train myself to be optimistic. Um, and this actually came. So, a mentor of mine um, pulled me aside one day, and he said, "Mitch, you're really smart, and you make a lot of good decisions for the team and for this company. The problem is, <clears throat> you recognize areas that can go wrong." and you vocalize them. He's like, most of the time, those areas that can go wrong never fucking happen. You're vocalizing them and scaring the team. So stop vocalizing the problems. Stop vocalizing the possibilities that can go wrong. It's perfectly okay. This is what he told me. He said, it's perfectly okay to recognize them up here in your head. Internalize that. Develop your own. Like He says, I know why you're vocalizing it. You're vocalizing it because you're saying like, okay, if we do this, we got to watch out for this and we got to watch out for this and all this. You're, you're developing plans for how to overcome that if it actually materializes. But most of the time it doesn't materialize. But in the meantime, you're scaring the shit out of the people around you because they didn't even think that could happen. Well, how do you get over, if I mess up your train of thought, I'm sorry. It, how do you mentally get past the worrying about it part like so for me if 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 i if i think something bad is going to happen and i were to literally like and this is kind of what i do i will think okay if this if this bad thing happens i know i will know how to handle it right like i know how to do that part but then how do you stop from worrying about it like that's a good question right give me just a second here i what the hell happened the show the the show shut down are we still on are we still recording are we still doing the Void podcast? Is I, that what's happening? I'm looking for a quote. Oh, here we go. That quotes don't help me. I need real, real analytical answers. Analytical answers. Say that ten times fast. Eh. I mean, that'd be tough. So I, I was looking for a quote. Give where me the gist. What's the gist? I posted this years ago, and now I can't find it. Of course not. You um, post eight things a day. I know. So <laughs> um, there, there's a quote out there, and I don't know who wrote it. But basically, the quote, the gist of the quote is We tiptoe through life hoping to safely make it to death. And, and the idea is like we make all of these decisions to safely die at the end, right? Like, but that's not what I'm talking about. Well, what I'm saying is how much are we missing in the tiptoeing, right? Like, and, and I'm not talking about stupid shit. Like, you don't go driving 140 miles an hour down the highway and not expect something bad to happen. Like, I'm not talking about that shit. But I'm saying, like, those people that are like, oh, if I invest in that, it could go bad, so I won't. Well, it also could go good. Yeah. And you would be really glad you did. You know what's really weird? So just, like, so that Camaro I had. Right. When I was 18. That thing would do 145 miles an hour. So, like, I would take it out and max it out. Uh-huh. And never did I ever think that I'm going to crash this thing. Right. I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off at this exit so if there are cops, I can hide. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I never thought about that. And as I got older, I shouldn't say as I got older, because at, like, 25, I would say I started doing that. But 
seriously, answer my question. How do you stop? Even though I can go through and say, okay, I know that if this happens, I can do this. If this happens, I can do this. I'm not going to say anything. I think I'm, it's going to be for the best. How do I then stop worrying about the bad things that are going to happen? Well, you just break it down even further. Like, you know, let, let's say you're presented with a scenario and you recognize the five things that could go greatly wrong. Okay, what can we put into place to prevent those five, like to still achieve the scenario, but to prevent those five things from going wrong? Limit in, in the plumbing world, I got to dig a ditch that's 12 feet deep. What are the five things that could go wrong? Well, the ditch could cave in. So let's make sure we put shoring in the hole, right? Done. Yeah. Okay, that's done. Or bench back now, the first six feet and then put shoring in the like, hole. Okay, now I don't have to worry about a cave in because we have shoring. Done. No worries. Right, I still got to be mindful that the shoring's done right and everything else, but it's in, it's done, right? Um, <clears throat> let's see, the customer could not pay the bill. Okay, yeah, that's true. However, if I go back on the track record and I look at, you know, we've been in business three years. We've only had one customer in 4,000 customers not pay the bill. Okay, so the odds are one in 4,000 that the customer's not going to be. Okay, so that's not a concern. So now I don't have to worry about that, right? And then, like, what's, what's another concern? Oh, we might get caught. We're doing work without a permit. Well, okay, so we go buy a permit. So that's not a concern. Like, you can, you can safely navigate some of that shit and, and eliminate all of your concerns. And, and then it just comes down to being real. Like, a lot of people operate from a real, a lot of people treat customers like shit because they're afraid they're going to get fucked over. And it's amazing how many times you see this happen. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. All right, so you've newly started your company and you're trying to pinch pennies. However, you don't realize the biggest thing that's hurting you right now is not gathering all of your information into one spot and making it super efficient for you to use. So the answer is Field Pulse. It gets you off of paper tickets. It gets you off of all of that crazy office work at the end of the day and reconciling all that stuff. And it lets you organize everything with ease. It puts it all into the computer. It actually puts it all into the cloud. So it's not even putting it on your computer. And it lets you organize your customers. It lets you organize all of your service calls. Heck, it'll even route you to your service call. And the best part is, even after all of that, you'll probably realize about a 100% growth in your business just in the first year of using Field Pulse. So if you'd like to check out Field Pulse and see what great looks like, click on the link in the description of this show. They'll be like, I want 85% down up front. And, and then that wonder way, why they don't get any work. And then wonder why they don't get any work yeah. or wonder why the customer's like treating them funny, right? And, and so, and they're doing all of that out of fear that they don't get paid. Well, if you operate with a legal mindset that, with a customer, the customer is going to reciprocate that and give you a legal approach back. So if you operate from a caring and genuine concerned mindset that you just want their problem solved and you just want to be the guy to solve it, well, guess what? They're going to be happy to pay you. Yeah. So, um, you know, th this goes with, with this goes with everything. Uh, real life scenario today in our business, um, we have uh, we have one technician who went to his first service call of the day. We schedule three to four calls on each tech each day, and we have one technician that went to his first service call of the day, and he stumbles across a big job, 
And I've told all of my guys over and over and over, the most important customer is the one standing in front of you right now, right? The rest of your day does not matter. I will handle all of those calls. If you land across a big job on your first call, you tell them you can do it right now, right? They've already waited long enough for us to get there. Yeah, well, and you're trying to make that big sale. You don't want to push that big sale off to go fix a toilet for $185. Exactly. You know what I mean? The exactly. Money's, the money's literally there. All you have to do is reach out and take it. Bird in the hand's worth two in the bush. It's worth five in the bush. Right. But yes. So we we reschedule off the calls from the gut. Like, I take one call because it's kind of a warranty callback anyway. And um, we reschedule off another call, and then we move the, the last call um, to one of our other plumbers. And one of our other plumbers was trying to get off work early. And, uh, at this, at this time we were needing to make all these moves. It was about 11 o'clock. This guy's not going to quit. Is he? No. He hears this on the show. Okay. Um, so we, we move it over to this other plumber and the other plumber, he's already run two calls. He's already completed two service calls by 11 AM. And, you know, we work eight to four. So he's got five hours left in the day. He's got two service calls left to run. And so we move this, this one rescheduled call over to him. And he starts freaking out and, uh, you know, it's, you know, oh, I'm trying to get off early. I got somewhere to be at 6 PM, which is understandable getting off at four and trying to be somewhere by six. Like that's a real timeline, right? It can be, it can be and, a bitch. And so, um, you know, he starts giving a lot of pushback about taking this extra call. And I'm like, look, can we just play it by ear? Like you've got an estimate and then what seems to be a smaller service call on you right now, this, this one that we're wanting to add to you seems to be a smaller call, but we never know how these things go. You could go to your estimate and they want you to do the work right now. And now you can't run any more calls or you could go to your estimate and they kick you out of the house because they don't like your pricing. And, and now you're done with three calls before noon. Yeah. Right. Like we just don't know, but it, it makes logical sense to put it on you versus put it on me. And so, you know, as we talked through it, he started to understand and he started to realize and everything was fine. But our natural human psyche is to, like, plan for the worst. Well, and it's to panic. It's Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? It's just to panic because you have... And to be honest, I don't even know why we do it. Like, I do it. You know, I'm bad about it. Right. I don't know why it's in human nature to just to just assume that it's not going to work out. Like, I'm sure, look, we're not going to get too deep into this, but I'm sure a lot of us need therapy. Like, that's what, well, you know what I mean? Like, it's deep down ingrained from, you know, something in the past, childhood, eight generations ago. Dude. You know, I don't, I, I don't know, but I, I, mean, I it's think a lot of habit to break for sure. I think a lot of this is derived from mass media, but even social media, right? What's your perception of Chicago? Would you be willing to walk around Chicago at night? No. Right? No. Okay. But be- it's not, it has nothing to do with media. It has to do with the fact that people are actually getting shot, and that's a fact. Right. Right. Totally a fact. Right? Yeah. Now, I'm going to assume 99% of the people that are getting shot in Chicago, I'm not going to say they have it coming, but I'm going to say that they're choosing to put themselves in situations where that becomes an increased risk. Of course. Right? And it's probably in... if. Just this is I'm talking out of my ass. If if Chicago's 100 square miles, it's probably in one square mile of it. It could be, or two, or five. You know, something right. it, like in it's a in very a, it's in a focused area. area, right? Would be my guess. So, 
I guess what I'm saying is there's millions of people in Chicago. The odds of getting shot are 50 in a million, right? But then they go down even more when you realize I'm not in the crowds where all that's happening and everything else. So yeah. not, that I'm, not that I'm standing up to Chicago in the slightest, but I'm saying that, that the media and all of the scare tactics that come across both media and social media drive your desire to be fearful of things, right? Um, and that... L- l- here's, here's another one. Um, Go ahead. Um, raw cookie dough. Love raw cookie dough. How many, how many times oh have we God. heard in our life oh, yeah. that you'll get salmonella from eating raw cookie dough? I, well, first off, you can get salmonella from eating raw eggs, which is in raw cookie do- dough. Two, I think that's been perpetuated by mothers who are tired of seeing us eat the fucking cookie dough that they just made. Maybe. but <laughs> Like they're trying to get cookies baked, and you sat there and ate eight spoonfuls. That's 10 cookies. Right. But like, we've, <laughs> heard, we've heard that a thousand times in our life. Yeah. Name me one person that's gotten salmonella from eating raw cookie dough. Nobody can ever name anybody. Nobody knows anybody that's ever gotten sick from eating raw cookie You're dough. About to get fucking emails. But we're oh please, <laughs> know, right? please like no, pro- I, prove I, me wrong in this one. But I, I, I agree. Here, like literally, every time you see somebody go get a spoonful of raw cookie dough, it either pops in their mind or somebody fucking says it. Oh, watch out! You might get salmonella. That's not true. Bullshit! I, I say, get me a spoon. Yeah, like I want. Like I, I dig I'd right like, in. I'd like to have a bite of that. Right? Is it's that like okay? it's like when you're golfing and your buddy accidentally taps the ball off the tee. You know, as he's like lining up his driver. I've seen Mitch do that 27 you, times. You you can't not say <laughs> that's one. Yeah. Right. You can't not count that as a str- yeah, like. Even though even though you don't at the end, but you have to say it. Yeah. Like you like, can't uh, not right. What are you doing? Dude? You can't eat a spoonful of raw cookie dough and not think or say. Yeah. Hope you don't get salmonella. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like here we are. All we're all afraid of this whole salmonella thing. Yeah. Nobody's ever fucking gotten salmonella from eating raw cookie First dough. First off. I'm sure people have. Okay. Prove it. The odds are in. <laughs> I mean, I, the I've of, eaten the thousands of, of spoonfuls of raw cookie dough. The law I'm of averages <laughs> says that some people Maybe. have gotten sick from salmonella the eating Murphy's raw cookie too. dough. Yeah, Murphy's <laughs> Law, too. Yeah. Well, too, I think a lot of the, you talked about people's innate like desire to like like reject and like fear. I mean, I, I think for, for me, anybody who's grown up, like working in fast food restaurants, so you've all had those experiences where, like, I'm a people pleaser. So it's like, hey, can you see an extra hour? So you're off at 5 p.m. and then that turns into 11:30, and they're like, oh, thanks, you know, we'll we'll get more staff tomorrow. And then four weeks goes by, and you're staying like six hours after your shift. Like that's what happened to me because I'm like, hey, I want to be a team player. I want to work. And then that's what developed my like <laughs> my defensive mechanism with that. Right. Yeah. So right. then you're always afraid that that's going to happen. Wait, right? You know, another yeah. prime example is like if you see a guy riding a motorcycle wearing shorts, <clears throat> what's your first inclination? That's going to hurt when he falls. That's going to hurt. I hope he doesn't crash. What kind of an idiot wears shorts on a motorcycle, right? I do say when I see guys without helmets on, I say I'm just like, dude, what are you doing? A helmet may be a little bit different. I'm just like, dude, you should look. If you want to die, that's fine, but like the whole time I see him, I'm like, man, that guy's got kids. His head smashes on the ground and it pops like a melon. And they're I've, just like, I've ridden a motorcycle a couple of times without a helmet. And you want to know the worst part about it? It's not the fact that you're not protected. The rain. It, it's the fucking wind in it your eyes. It beats you to death. Uh, 
Like it's like a convertible. You can't at one, see if you're written in the back seat of a convertible yes. at like 140. Uh, yeah, like you can't literally. It's like what's the point of the top being down? I can't. I my eyes are shut. You can't yeah, breathe. It's worthless. Yeah, it's worthless. But Ferrari, different story. Different. So you get a guy on a motorcycle, right? And let's say he's wearing shorts. Everyone's like, oh, fucking idiot and everything else. Okay, for one, if you think jeans are really going to protect you that well, you got another thing coming. I've crashed four motorcycles in my life. and uh, David crashed the fifth one. Well, I cra- I've crashed two, but they were all at like under 15 miles an yeah. hour. <laughs> um, all of mine have been over 80 miles an hour, okay? Uh, jeans don't do shit at 80 there miles an hour. A lot of those at the track, though, you were yeah. wearing a suit. Yeah, a yeah, yeah. Different. One of them was on the street. I don't remember that. Yeah. One of them, I tried passing five cars at once. Oh, and, and the guy hit you? And the guy, the middle guy... Decided to pass ...came out also. and decided to pass at the moment I was passing him, and he didn't think to look behind him, which, why would you, right? First off, that's on you. I know. You, you can't it's pa- totally you can't, my fault. You can't pass out of turn. That's right. rule number one. And, and totally my fault. And so he comes out to pass, which kind of on him, like he shouldn't have been passing... Two cars, yeah. right? Yeah, you're both dipshits. Yeah, just combination of idiots here. <laughs> Car, motorcycle, but motorcycle does not win. He pulls out so hard that the metal bar end of my handlebar ended up in his door. Like, it broke <laughs> off in his door panel. Really? It didn't crash like me. he was like... Whoop. Yeah, yeah, it didn't crash me, but it changed my trajectory and pointed me towards the gravel shoulder, and I target fixated and stared straight at that gravel shoulder, hoping not to hit it. And what do you do? You drive straight to what you're looking at. Yeah. And I hit the gravel, and I got slowed down to about, I was going like 100 when I'm trying to pass them. I got slowed down to about 80 before I tucked the front tire and crashed. <laughs> and let me tell you, jeans don't do shit at 80 miles an hour, no. right? You were actually pretty fortunate to not be fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty fortunate I was on the curb and on the road, right? Yeah. Um, and the appropriate response is somewhere in the middle, like... I could take my experience and then like become ultra fearful. But then because what can happen is you're just like, because of my experience of being taken advantage of in the fast food restaurants, then someone could take that. And anyone, anytime anyone turns an eye on you, be like, Oh, they're ready to take advantage of me. They're about to do it. Really? They're not. So well, you, you just kinda, know what to look out for. You kind of have to like learn. Yeah. Like you have to be like the middle road where you kind of like, you're aware and you've learned your lesson and not get yourself in those situations, but yeah. then also not realize, you know, yeah. realize that. Yeah. I mean, we do the same thing at work. Like, mm. we've only ever been burned by one customer in three years. Mm-hmm. 4,000 customers, we've only ever been burned by one. But we still recognize the signs that that customer gave us ahead of time. Yeah. And anytime those similar signs are presented, we, we recognize that, right? Hey, this mm-hmm. guy's being real dodgy on this and he's being real dodgy on that and he's acting this way. Okay. Let's get a small down payment up front. Let's make sure he's good for that before we schedule the rest of the work. Let's get some money in the bank ahead of time, you know? But we still, it's not like we run from the job because one guy didn't pay us out of 4000 And you start to get kind of better at sort of like, you kind of discern situations where you're just like, you kind of, three or four red flags pop up. You're just like, I can, it's not, it's not about like, oh, I'm afraid. It's like, there's warning signs. Yeah. So the risk factor it's about kind of balancing the benefit and like risk reward where it's like, don't go with fear. But if you see several red flags, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, ultimately if you operate from a mode of assuming the worst, you will never, ever see success ever. It, you, you need to identify the worst case scenario and then plan your route around that. Because if you're operating from assuming the worst, 
You're going to assume customers aren't going to pay you. You're going to assume guys are going to steal from you. You're going to assume your employees are going to fuck you over. Like, you're going to assume your accountant's fucking you over. You're going to assume your digital marketing agency's fucking you over and everything else. And I specifically said those last two because I've been fucked over by both in the last year and a half. You've been spending a lot of money on nothing. Well. I love you. Ultimately. Ouch. I can't. I can't enter a negotiation with a digital marketing agency and assume they're going to fuck me over because if they are, that's a no win for me, no win for them. Like nobody's going to win in that, right? Agreed. So you have to op- like take your past experiences and apply them to your future experiences while still leaving yourself room for success. So I've been fucked over by a digital marketing agency. Great. Now I approach new digital marketing agencies with the same level of optimism but with a level of care and regard for how I know I've been screwed over in the past. So if I see those signs presenting themselves again, I know to be leery and to be cautious. And I know now where to bring up concerns sooner in the relationship rather than later. Right. So the fuck, like if it is going to get fucked over again, it's going to happen on a smaller scale. So just this last week, I, I mentioned that, you know, learning is really expensive. I, I think I posted this on Facebook. I said, learning is really expensive. Uh, either it's done through expensive classes or it's done through really expensive life lessons. But either which way we learn. And if I had to wager, I'm willing to bet the life lessons teach us more than the classes. Yeah. Right? So um, having recently been fucked by this digital marketing agency, the only way I can look at this and still progress forward and still have the business advance is that was a really expensive lesson. And I have to take what I've learned from that and move forward rather than take what I've learned from that and be fearful and go stagnant. It does make you wonder though, how many companies that are crazy big and there's a lot of stuff going on. So they can't verify like what leads lead to like how like amount of like business where they are being like, you know, worked over by the marketing company, they're just at a spot where either they're not keeping track of numbers or they you can't really go in. Like, say McDonald's. Like, I can only imagine the marketing they're using where it's like they they can't come to the marketing agency and be like, well, your marketing is leading us and selling less McChickens. Like, it just, it's kind of like really up in the air, so it just makes you wonder well, how much... I would I would say that, like, so when a, when a company is big as... McDonald's or Coca-Cola or whatever, they are literally dictating to the marketing companies what's going to happen because they are so big and have so much money. Oh, okay. the, what I, the companies that are on the verge of being that big... Um, the marketing companies adapt to them. Yeah. And this, they, okay. Well, and the companies that are trying to get to that level that are spending a ton of money on it, they, are ju- they just know that they're burning up money. They are a lot of times, and I've heard this from people specifically that are when they try to get big. And this may not be the, what you should be doing, but half the time they have a marketing budget that is fifteen percent of that marketing budget is solid. They know what's going on, and then you know fifteen percent is experimental, and then the rest is worth throwing darts, right? To try to take chances to get to that next level. That's just that's kind of. Uh, that's sales in general. That's sales in general, and I don't want to put a number on it like companies that are over two million a year or over fifteen, because I don't know exactly where it is. But you know, somewhere in there, companies are throwing darts 
with marketing and sales, well, and they yeah. know that they're not going to win on all of them. Well, that's, that's just how it is. That's business ownership 101 is yeah. you, you double down on the things that are working so that you can afford to take risks in new areas because those risks, you can have calculated risks, but you don't know what the return is going to be, right? And so it may be great. It may suck ass, but there's only one way to find out. Well, and that's and that's what I meant. So if you you know if their marketing budget was ten thousand, you know f- just say whole whole numbers ten thousand, then five thousand is hey these are our tried and trues and we're yeah. doing it. Twenty five hundred are things we are think are going to work, and then twenty five hundred is we're throwing darts and, yeah. we're, like, and we're trying to get there because but they have literally earmarked that money to say if it doesn't work, we're prepared for it because we've set this money aside. Well, and and how do you think they became? How do you think they came across the tried and trues? They threw darts at one time, yeah, and it fucking worked. Or, or, or and then they it. repeated the results. Yeah, or or were you know tied up with a company like Tradewinds and learned some good tactics and then <laughs> used that money on those things and it worked for them. <laughs> yeah. So shameless plug. Shameless plug. Sometimes it's okay, and we say this in Tradewinds all the time. It's okay to rob and steal and use. Like Robin duplicate, not Robin Steele. Oh, what did I say? You said Robin Steele. Well, I meant Robin duplicate. <laughs> I mentioned you what I meant. Yeah. It's okay. We say that in the group. Hey guys, there's plenty of work for everyone. Yeah. You're spread out over the country. Take these ideas. Share steal them. them. Yeah. Share them. Use Just them. Do whatever you want with them. We know they work. Yeah. And so you know, those things that you know work, focus most of your budget on that, and then... Well, and I do the same thing with, like, advice where I've been fucked over, right? Uh, literally today, I was just chatting with somebody online today. Um, they they think they're getting screwed over by their marketing agency. And I was able to tell him, you know, I, I'm not going worst-case scenario. I'm not going, yeah, all marketing agencies suck, right? I'm saying, here's the things to look out for. And yeah. I gave him the formula for how to... Uh, like come up with the cost of a new customer acquisition. And I said, if this number starts to exceed this number, then that's where you have problems. And until that happens, I think you're still okay. And, you know, I'm not telling him that his marketing agency's fucking him over or anything else. I'm basically giving him the tools for him to figure that out. Right. Right. Basically I'm taking everything that I learned from me getting fucked over and I'm trying to prevent somebody else from getting fucked over without saying don't ever do it, right? No, it's, but- it's like the first time that tried to snow. The first time that somebody tried to snow ski, nobody, you know, I'm sure there were a lot of people saying, "Oh, that's dangerous," and this guy probably was <laughs> like, "I don't know. I think if I put these on this way, it might actually be a cool way to get down the mountain, right?" Yeah. And then trial and error, trial and error. You do a couple of things that don't fucking work, and then next thing you know. Everyone's snow skiing. Yeah, there's tons of examples of that. Right. Like pasteurized milk, the first 27 people died. Yeah, WD-40, right? <laughs> yeah. It's because yeah. WD-39 didn't work. Right. Yeah, just... just yeah, that's a bad dad joke, but that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine on their level, too, it's more of like keeping track of their marketing and return like on the masses, because in my mind, I'm like, say, I'm watching Hulu, and I see a McDonald's commercial for McChicken at 12 p.m. I go and I buy one. You know, it's like... They're not going to be able to be like, oh, it's like so-and-so watched this. And so they drove to this store and bought a a chicken at that place. It's more of like, here's our our base level of like return. And then we did this marketing campaign and it went up one and a half percent. You know, it's almost like you kind of have to at what stage in your business do you like, like, 
or do you have to stop relying on like being like, oh, well, so-and-so called in, they saw this or they, they saw this and they made the call. It's like at what point it's like, Dude, I, disconnect. I can guarantee you there yeah. is zero marketing efforts out there that are a massive, massive return, mm-hmm. right? Mar- marketing is a, is a small return on major investments. And I'm not trying to discourage people from marketing. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is the one ad in the newspaper is not going to like light your business on fire. The, the, the one check you write to the search engine optimization company is not going to turn your business around. Right, the the one golf tournament that you sponsor is not going to be the end all be all, and so the number one thing, if now that we're kind of on the subject of marketing, the number one thing in, with any marketing is realize that it's a it's a sum of collective efforts. Mm-hmm. There's no one magic light bulb that just works. Right. Yeah, and you're br- basically you're branding all the time with marketing. Yeah. Also, yeah, you're you're building your name awareness all of the time yeah, yeah you like know what i mean so when you when you when mitch sponsored like so when we did that golf tournament last year mm-hmm. you may not you may not get anything from that one tournament right but when someone thinks of it down the road or smedley plumbing oh they were in that tournament oh they were here oh they were that they were this and all of a sudden you've realized that you've grown your brand through marketing and so it allows for people to have a spot in their brain for you to live for when they do need plumbing down the road. Yeah. It also like changes. Like I think too, it's a little like gray area for me too, because sometimes it's just when you see something, you get the feeling like I'll see a commercial and I see them a chicken. I'm like, that looks really good. But I know my chickens aren't that good. A few days later, I'm driving home. I see a billboard, get two for one or whatever. There isn't a chicken there. And I'm like, you know what? I'm actually kind of like, you kind of like, it's like planting those feelings where there's not like a direct, like, I see an ad, I buy the thing. Yeah, they're they're building it's, their brand yeah. all the time. It's just brand awareness, 24-7, yep. as much as we can have it out mm-hmm. there. And if, if 7,000 people drive by this stupid-ass billboard, yeah. 3,000 of these idiots are going to eat a McChicken. It's like when you right. get a car, then you start to realize everyone that has that same car as you. Yeah. You didn't realize that before you bought the car. <laughs> yeah. Um, funny story about that golf tournament that I sponsored. Hey, are we going to do something this year? I don't know. It's halfway through summer. We don't have any booked. I know. My financial guys got me under some strict rules this year. So, um, You know, trade wins could sponsor a golf tournament. We could still totally go. Totally could. Totally could. You know what? I don't know why I fucking ask you. I got the checkbook. You got the checkbook. I'll do whatever the hell I He's want. He's already hit me up. He wants sponsorships. So, Anyway, uh, we did get one call that I know of from that golf tournament. Do you, do you remember the uh, girl in the clubhouse that was handling the food and the beer? Is that the girl that is friends with Danielle already? Friends with my parents. That was taking money at the beginning? Uh, no, no, no. This was the girl in, like, employee of the golf club in the clubhouse that was getting us hot dogs and beers. Older lady? Older lady. Yes, I do. I tipped her like 20 yeah. bucks, I think. So she calls us two months after that golf tournament. Oh, really? And she was like, I think it's just meant to be. Here you guys were sponsoring the golf tournament, and I grew up with your parents, and and you know now I've got a plumbing problem. So we go out there, and I, I can't remember what the problem was, but we quoted her like 300 bucks to get it fixed. Too much? Fairly minor repair. She called into the office and threatened to call my parents. Because it was too much money? Because we were trying to rip her off i told that bitch to call you know what <laughs> hold on i'll have my mother call you, you bitch. <laughs> and i took her information see this is the problem what were we talking about earlier i go straight to vindictive and yeah. Yeah. like i 
I, that's not exactly what I'd have said. I'd be like, you know what, bitch? Hold on a second. Let me get your info. I'm on my motherfucking call you. Yeah. That's what I'd have done. I'm Dave, like, I, I mean, I, can... I just, I just fell off the wagon. God, like, man. Dave is like attacking and Mitch is like, what's your truth? Yeah. Just, just kidding. Just, I'm burning that. I'm burning the clubhouse down. And, and I'm like, <laughs> ma'am, it was, it was like a, like a, like a heavy toilet rebuild or something. Like, I can't remember what it was. It was a, it, probably a, it wasn't like a whole house repipe. It wasn't like a water heater replacement. It was probably it a wasn't, Toto rebuild, and the parts were two seventy. I charge her thirty bucks. Yeah, <laughs> poor Mitch. I mean, like, I, I can't remember the exact details, but I'm like, I mean, I've had customers call concerned about the price when it, the price is like thousands. This is three hundred dollars. Three hundred dollars is a lot of money to some people. Still. I totally understand that, but but still, she, like <laughs> I'm gonna call your the, the the thought of I'm gonna call your parents. Did you say go ahead? And I'm like, well, they're my insurance yeah. agents. They got a pretty good eye on how much we're charging, and they got a they got a stake. Like in it. <laughs> literally, my insurance is based off my annual revenues, so. They know. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So negative one call. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, all right. Almost, well, it's like almost so crazy. You just want to see a play out. Like you call your mom, dad. Hey, like, like, I let me mom, know if she calls. I need more of the story. Cause yeah. I need to track this. I just told my mom, my mom's passed away, obviously. Uh, but I'd have, if I'd have told her, Hey mom, this is what's happened. She'd be like, who? Yeah. And she'd have been on the phone. Bitch. What? Yeah. Like she was pretty, or get him in on it. Be like, actually he's charging you like half the price. He should. Your, yeah. mom's, your mom's still pretty nice. Yeah. She's overly nice. She doesn't get fired. Both my mom and dad, both are overly they're nice. They're super soft. I love I, them. I don't know about soft, but they're just, they're definitely overly nice. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. So, They'll be like, oh, I'm sorry when you punched me in the face. Did that hurt your hand? Yeah. Do I need to get yeah. you a bag of ice? Yeah. It was like the chillest They're experience great. when I was getting my insurance all figured out. It's just like sitting in the chair. I said, okay, let's open oh, your with arm. Vic? Yeah, Vic. Oh, oh yeah. Man. Vic is like, it's, so something. That's that, an experience in its own. First off, I love I don't know Vic. if I go chill. I, it, I love Vic. If it takes 10 minutes, you're there 45. Yeah. Like it just, like he's I think just, I was there for two hours or he's, something. He's, he's going to give you the story about how the system changed and yeah. now we got to click this button instead of this button. I love your button. dad, though. I, I, you know what? I should have switched to him a long time ago because I like talking to him. Yeah. Like it's not just, he's like my friend. You know, when Here's, I call him, I'm like, hey, Vic, what's going on? You know, we shoot the shit for a while. You know, he's going to go to bat for you if there's ever an issue. Oh, yeah. If he doesn't, I know where he lives. Yeah. And I know where you live. So, and his grandkids. Did, so, yeah. Did you ever hear that? So Danielle was texting and driving like three years ago, four years ago. Oh, big fucking surprise. I know. I know. Maybe it was four and a half or five years ago. She's texting and driving and she hits a storm drain and she calls me and she's like, hey, I just got a flat. And I'm like, okay, you're a farm girl. Like you can fix a fucking flat tire. (laughs) Did you tell her that? No, no, no. Yeah. And and she's like, well, first off, she's a farm girl, but doesn't want to do anything. Right, right. Like she and, pretends she's a farm girl, but and she doesn't want to get. She doesn't want to do shit. Right. So, <laughs> so I'm like, straight. Fix it, you know. And she's like, well, I think my wheel's broken. And I'm like, what do you okay. mean? Okay. What do you mean, bitch? My wheel's broken. And, and I'm like, <laughs> and, and I'm 40 minutes from her, right? And I'm like, well, it's gonna take me like 40 minutes to get there, and we've got towing and you know whatever else. I'm like, can you at least drive it off the if your wheel's already fucked up, just drive it off the road and get to a safe, you know, spot off the road. She's like, okay. So she puts it in drive. She's still on the phone with me. She puts it in drive. And she's like, okay, I'm putting it in drive and I'm hitting the gas and the car's not moving. 
Oh, shit. And I'm like, what do you mean it's not moving? She's like, I'm hitting the gas and the engine's revving up and it's not moving. She She's like, broke let me get out and look at it. She broke the drive shaft. She hand. broke the whole fucking wheel off the car. The only thing that was holding <laughs> it on was the brake line. <laughs> and, and so she gets out. She's on the phone with me. She gets out and she walks around and she goes, oh, no, you're going to be really mad at me. You know what's fucked up is I know Danielle and you very well. Yeah. She knew that the whole time she was talking Probably. to you about like, Probably. the wheels broke. She was out there looking at it going, like in her I got to slow play this. In her brain, she's like, what am I going to tell him? I'm yeah. going to tell him that it's broke. But I'm going to tell it him is, it's flat. It's fucked. Yeah. I see that the wheel's off. I have wrecked this entire car. So, <laughs> she's controlling the tone. Yeah. yeah she, that's all she was doing. She was playing the shit out of him. So I get out there <laughs> and, I mean, you can't even, like, the fucking... The whole suspension was ripped the out of the hub assembly gone and everything. It ripped the half shaft out of the transmission. So she hit like the bottom of the culvert. Yeah, it, like like and then curbed the middle of the fender. Yeah, it did body damage. To like the car. And it like it lifted off the ground when she hit it and yeah. then slammed to the ground. So <laughs> she ramped it. So <laughs> turn it into insurance. Obviously, they go. They take me to a body shop here in town. And uh, I go to the one that's highly recommended, right? And so they they do what seems to be a great job on getting the car all fixed up. Like five hundred miles later, maybe not even that. Um, I told this story. I this part. I am changing the oil in her car, and I realize the inner fender well is like drooped down, and they didn't use all the fasteners to get the inner fender well liner in place, and so it's like drooped down. So I go to like zip tie it back together until I can get some fasteners. Well, it had been drooped down long enough that it like burned a hole in the inner fender well. Do you think that your wife heard this? Probably. She doesn't want to commit it again. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> you know, like that, the whole time she's driving, didn't she notice. Has music Wait, up too loud. You know, the check engine light just means like if that light's on, you have oil. It's right? a suggestion. I don't <laughs> want to like be a dick, but I mean, as far as a redhead, she's real blonde. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's blondish red. <laughs> but anyway, so I go I go back to the the guy that fixed the car, the and they're a prominent place here in town and I'm like, "Hey, I think you guys didn't like get all this buttoned up right or whatever. It's got a hole in it and this fender like it was $5,000 in damage to the car. This inner fender liner was $60." And they're like, "Oh, no, I guarantee we got all that work done. You're going to have to bring it in." And so I bring it in and they're like, "This car's been damaged. This car's been crashed again." Like, bullshit. And then crashed again. And I'm like, what's your basis for thinking it's been crashed again? And they found a couple of scuffs underneath the front bumper, and the front bumper had to get repainted from the first crash against the storm drain. And so they found a couple of scuffs underneath the front bumper. And this is a Ford Fusion. They sit really low to the ground. They drag yeah. on every parking block under the yeah, sun. A curb draggers. And and so I'm like, those scuffs are from like a fucking parking block. Like that's it it's not been in a collision. Oh no! This this car's been in another collision. We're gonna have to file another claim. I'm like, bullshit. Yeah. Right. Fix my shit. Bitch. So, we re-involve the insurance adjuster and everything. And this is my dad's insurance company, uh, the, the the company that he's an agent for. And so the insurance adjuster comes out, meets us at the dealership, and he's like, I think I agree with the dealer or with the with the auto repair place. I think this car's been in another collision. And I'm like, oh, funny. I noticed you drove the same model Ford Fusion in here. Has your car ever been in a collision? No, sir, it's not. I'm like, cool. 
let's go look underneath your front bumper and see if there's any scuffs under the front bumper. <laughs> and he's like, well, I don't think we need to do that. Like, Fuck we don't. And I'm like, well, as luck would have it, I took photos of the underneath side of your front bumper, and lo and behold, they look identical to this one. Yeah. And ironically, your front bumper is sitting on the fucking parking block out there <laughs> right now. <laughs> So how would you like it if I told you your car is actively in a collision at this moment? Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so here's my dad. Like, of course, the insurance adjuster calls my dad because they're at the same place, right? Yeah. Man, your son's got something going on. And he, like he's like trying to berate me. And my dad's like, well, is he wrong? Yeah. Because <laughs> it sure wrong? sounds like he's right. Yeah, it sounds you like know? you're a douche. Sounds like right. It sounds like <laughs> The company's trying to fuck him over, and he's not standing for it. So, yeah, you know, benefits of having a guy to go to back for you is they, right. they stand for you like that. So. Hilarious uh, twist if he came home and Daniel would be like, hey, I was supposed to tell you something. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, I ran <laughs> off the road the other day. Like, we can't yeah. go back to that. <laughs> what, what, what happened? Uh, drove it up on another curb. Yeah. He called ah. me like, yeah, I'll, I'll pay 60. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's all I want to tell yeah. you. <laughs> well, ultimately, I left the thing with that guy. I'm like, so I'm a $5,000 customer with you. Now, granted, most of that was my insurance, yeah. but still, it's through me. I'm a $5,000 customer with you. If I personally have a $5,000 customer in my business and they come to me with a, a $60 concern, I handle the concern and move on, even if I know flat out that they're taking advantage of me. Yeah. It's not worth the time and effort to try to argue over a $60 concern yeah. with a $5,000 customer. Worthless. Like at McDonald's, when you pay 40 bucks for a meal to go back, and be like, do you have your receipt? I want to make for sure we, we actually missed the small fry. Yeah. So just give me a... <laughs> just give me a fucking small what, fry. I, what, what's the receipt? I, I, I took the small fries out, stuffed them in my cup holder, went inside with the bag, and I was like, well, there's no small fries in here. Got an extra small fry for $1.40. What? Yeah. Stop. Well, it's that mindset of like they... They base their whole policy on that customer who's going to like. Mess They're them assuming over. the worst. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's a good way to close the show. That's the whole way to close it out. <laughs> thank you, Austin, for bringing it to a close. Yeah. Austin, thank you. Shut up. I so. can break those landing gears out. <laughs> and All right. So this one ran way long. Sorry about that, but it I think is what I it is. I fueled the last half hour. You <laughs> probably did. That's the last time we give Austin 14 Snickers and five Starbursts before the show. I'm going to take his Three mic. chocolate candies, <laughs> assuming the worst. And a glass of sweet tea. This is actually water. Oh, man, he's getting better. Assuming the worst. <laughs> no, no comment. Dave's no like, comment. Right. No comment. I'm tired. All right. <laughs> I'm out of gas. So that's it for this show. If you guys like this, if, you, if this brought you value, if it made you think of things in a different way, please do us a favor and send this show to somebody who you think needs it. And by the way... You've been doing better on the uh, Spotify reviews. I don't have an Apple phone, so I couldn't even tell you how many reviews we have there. But on Spotify, you're doing better. We would still love to see more reviews. So if you're listening on Spotify, please do us a favor. Open the app and give us a five-star review. I think we've earned it. And uh, until next week, guys, we will see you later. See ya.